0: The Greatest Story Ever Told is a true story. It is a story of adventures, battles, kings and queens, heroes and villains, good and evil, history and prophecy. It is your story. Come join the adventure of the Bible story. Chapter 167 The Wall Finally Finished For all the Gentile nations' attempts to subvert the work of the Jews, the protective wall around Jerusalem kept rising out of the ground. The wall was almost complete except for the large wooden gates that needed to be installed at the entrances of the city. Even Sanballat's incessant correspondence to Nehemiah could not compel him to slow or stop the work. But the Samaritan governor had one final line of attack in mind. Nehemiah was seeing to the construction of the gates when a Levitical messenger came to him. He explained to Nehemiah that his friend Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, had a special message for him. Deliah was likely a priest who resided close to the temple.
1: I'm busy at the moment and we have some business to finish up before nightfall. Why doesn't Shemaiah come in person to tell me? Nehemiah asked. He would if he could, replied the Levite.
0: But he is confined to the temple grounds for the moment and wants you to go there. He says it is urgent. Hearing the unusual request, Nehemiah left what he was doing and walked toward the temple, leaving his assistants and guard behind. Arriving at the temple precinct, Nehemiah entered one of the side buildings attached to the outer court wall. Shemaiah, are you here? Nehemiah called into the darkened room. Yes, I'm here. Came a whispered response from the back of the room.
1: Why are you in the dark and why couldn't you come and talk to me outside?
0: Nehemiah asked, slightly confused.
1: Please, come in and quickly close the door.
0: Shemaiah responded with a worried tone.
2: I've got some news I must share with you, but no one else must hear.
1: What
0: is it, my friend? Nehemiah asked as he walked through the doorway and started toward the silhouetted figure at the back of the room. Before he reached Shemaya, however, Nehemiah's growing sense of unease at the situation caused him to hold back, keeping his distance. What is it, Shemaya? Nehemiah asked again.
2: I've heard that assassins are in the city, and they plan to kill you this very night.
0: Shemaya finally revealed.
2: That is why I needed to see you so urgently. I propose that we both go into the temple, close the doors and hide there. That's the only way that we can guarantee your safety.
1: Get a hold of yourself, Shemiah, Nehemiah commanded. Even if there were assassins in the city to kill me, should such a man as I flee? I am the governor and protector of this people. It is my job to see to their protection, not recoil and hide in the fear of danger.
2: But Nehemiah, your life is in danger. And who will look after the people if you are gone?
0: Shemiah pleaded.
2: Please come and hide with me in the temple.
0: What's come over you, Shemiah? Nehemiah asked inquisitively. His friend was acting
1: strangely. You know full well that I'm not a Levite. By going into the temple, I'd be breaking God's laws.
0: He continued. After a pause, Nehemiah
1: asked Shemaiah pointedly. Are you with us or them?
2: What? What do you mean?
1: Shemaiah stuttered. You know what I mean. I perceive that you've been hired by Sanballat and Tobiah to scare me to go into the temple to protect my own life. And by doing that, I'd be sinning before God, degrading my reputation before our Jewish brethren. No, I shall not flee from the face of danger.
0: Nehemiah continued, his voice growing in strength.
1: But you shall, Shemaiah. You are not worthy of your lineage. Get out of here.
0: With that, Nehemiah turned and exited the room. Walking back to his tent, Nehemiah was amazed that so many of the religious leadership in Judah were susceptible to Sanballat's bribes. Shemaiah was only the latest in a series of people who had tried to get Nehemiah to weaken and sin. Another was Noadiah, a prophetess, who tried to make Nehemiah lose faith that God was backing his leadership. Arriving at his tent, Nehemiah once more knelt beside his bed and prayed that God would strengthen him to deal with the treachery of some of the people and that God would reward Tobiah and Sanballat according to their evil works. In all of this, Nehemiah did not once weaken. He remained a faithful leader for God. After Shemaiah's attempt to sidetrack Nehemiah. The governor pushed forward for the next few days, not allowing anything to stop him from finishing Jerusalem's defenses. As portions of the wall were completed and the gates were set up, more and more help could be assigned to the remaining parts of the wall. After a stunningly short 52 days from the start of the construction, All the Jews in the city gathered to watch the final wooden gate swing into place. With the noise of the latch closing the gate, a loud cheer went up from the city, echoing through Jerusalem's valleys and heard miles away. The 25th day of Elul was enshrined in the memory of the Jewish people as the day they completed the wall amid some of the fiercest opposition. Meanwhile in Samaria, Sanballat was enraged that the Jews had finished rebuilding the wall he had tried so hard to destroy. Considering how diligent he and the other gentile nations had worked to stop them, Sanballat was shocked to hear it had already been completed while they didn't discuss it much among themselves. The surrounding governors knew more than just human power was supporting the Jews. Building the wall in such a short amount of time had to be the result of divine intervention. Now that the walls of Jerusalem were constructed, Nehemiah knew that he must see to more of the province than just Jerusalem. he allowed himself a little rest following the completion of the wall, more had to be done. Shemaiah's betrayal meant that others were likely to be bribed as well. Tobiah, the governor of Ammon, had an ongoing relationship with some of the nobles in Judah, so Nehemiah believed that some of the nobles couldn't be trusted with leadership in Jerusalem. Instead, Nehemiah looked to his trusted brother Hanani for support. Me, be mayor over the holy city of Jerusalem? Hanani responded, surprised by
1: Nehemiah's proposition. Hanani, I know you love this city, said Nehemiah encouragingly. More importantly, I know that you're a faithful man and you fear God above many. I know that I can trust you to look after God's interest in the city. Hananiah, the ruler over the palace, will also help you in this. Although the walls of
0: Jerusalem were completed, the interior of the city remained in disrepair. Only a few lived in the city because there weren't many houses to dwell in. The construction inside the city walls had to continue, and Hananiah would need to be very involved. On top of that, even though the wall was finished, enemies would still try to attack.
1: In your duty looking after the city, Nehemiah continued instructing his brother. Make sure the gates of the city are not open until well into the morning when everyone is alert in case the enemies try to enter. Make sure guards watch the city entrances at all times so they'll be ready to close the gates if necessary. I have appointed some of the Levites who have earned my trust to be your main attendants at the gates. All that you say, I will do. Hananai responded.
0: Satisfied Hanani could delegate the protection of Jerusalem's walls. Nehemiah could continue with other work. Now I must go and start preparing for the approaching feast. The construction of the wall was finished, but the sound of workmen continued in the capital city. The celebration of the Feast of Trumpets was less than a week away which would be quickly followed by the Day of Atonement and the Feast of Tabernacles. Along with starting to build new houses, Nehemiah, in cooperation with Ezra, the leading scribe who had traveled to Jerusalem years before, organized a large wooden platform to be constructed in the street by the water gate right by the temple. While raising large swaths of material high above the courtyard to provide shade for the upcoming gathering, Nehemiah encouraged the workmen to hurry. Quick, quick, he said, pointing toward the lowering sun. Only a few hours remain before the feast arrives. Turning to see Ezra standing beside him, overlooking the area, Nehemiah asked, What do you think? It is perfect, the scribe responded. Tomorrow is going to be
2: life-changing for our people. I can hardly wait.
0: It was only fitting that soon after the wall was completed, a celebration should take place. Before sunrise on the first day of Tishri, The first day of the New Year, the Jews filtered through the city in the morning twilight. The mass of people, men and women, boys and girls, anyone old enough to understand, ascended to the open space in front of the Watergate, just inside the city wall. The people located an empty space under the shade and sat down, facing the large newly constructed platform. While the Jews knew about them, the holy days had not been kept properly for decades. This was a special day, especially so because they were now keeping it in the holy city of Jerusalem. In the minutes before dawn, the crowd watched as stunningly dressed men ascended the platform and sat upon fourteen chairs arranged behind a lectern. One of them held what appeared to be a large scroll. The scroll was far larger and more ornate than any they had ever seen. The first ray of sunlight beamed over the Mount of Olives behind the Israelites. As it lit the platform where the men were sitting, the one holding the large scroll rose to his feet. The people recognized Ezra as he approached the lectern. Looking out over the crowd of people, Ezra slowly unlatched a decorated scroll. With both hands, he unrolled it and raised it high above his head. Immediately, all the people in the crowd rose to their feet in unison, showing reverence to God and the Holy Scroll. Ezra then lowered his head, and prayed on behalf of the people to the great God, thanking him for the opportunity to celebrate this feast of trumpets in Jerusalem. All those in the crowd raised their arms above their heads, and looked toward the ground in worship of God. As Ezra finished the prayer, the entire group shouted with a loud voice,
1: Amen!
0: The people were jubilant to be part of such a service. After the blessing of the service, the group sat down, and Ezra began to read from the holy scriptures, specifically from the books of Moses. The people listened intently as the scribe read a passage, then looked up to explain the verses further, adding clarity to their meaning. After Ezra had read for a prolonged period of time, one of the thirteen behind him took over and then, after a while, another. For six hours, from sunrise till high noon, the law was read and then explained clearly to the people in a way that many had never heard before. For some, this was their first time to understand the scriptures. It was a deeply moving experience. As the intense Bible study continued, Most of the people were so corrected by it, they began to mourn. Soon, the whole congregation of Jews was weeping over the words being read. Realizing what was happening, Ezra quickly spoke up, this time with Nehemiah by his side on the podium.
2: Hear, people of God, this is the Feast of Trumpets, a day holy to the Eternal your God. It is a festival of joy, not of sadness. Don't mourn nor weep. Instead, go your way now and celebrate with one another. Eat and drink good things and send provisions to the poor who don't have anything prepared. For this day is holy to God. Again, don't be sorry today. Rejoice, I say, because rejoicing in the Lord will give you strength.
0: Ezra then motioned to the Levites to go throughout the group encouraging the people to be joyous on the Holy Feast Day. Before long, the entire mood of the group was changed once again. As the people obeyed Ezra's instructions, all the people went their way through the city, sharing their food and drink, and holding great banquets for all who would join them. Many sang and praised God because they could finally understand the words of the Bible that were declared unto them. The next day, the people assembled once more before the Watergate they were eager for more of God's instructions from Ezra and the other Levites. During this day's reading, the group reached the book of Leviticus, where Ezra read, And the Lord
2: spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of this seventh month, shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. You shall dwell in booths seven days. All that are Israelites born shall dwell in booths, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God.
0: The command to dwell in booths, or temporary dwellings, surprised many of the Jews. They had not kept this command for years because the Feast of Tabernacles was drawing near. The Jews hurried to the Mount of Olives on the other side of the valley from the walled city immediately after the service. They took as many olive branches, pine branches, myrtle branches, and palm branches as they could carry back to Jerusalem. For the next few days, Families could be seen building temporary coverings and huts on any open space they could find. Most built the booths on their flat rooftops, while others used the courtyards and streets. Some went as far as the courtyard of the temple itself to find space. The Jews did not consider this command a burden. It provided the families another opportunity to work together in another construction project. When the Feast of Tabernacles finally arrived, the families dwelt in their boots for the seven days. Every day they attended a service directed by Ezra, learning more about God and their history from the Bible. Their obedience to the specific commands of the holy days made it one of the happiest experiences of their lives. To be continued in our next episode and continue the adventure by reading the Bible story, find it under the Resources tab at pcg.com dot church.